0: Welcome, everyone, to a midweek edition of Couch Potato Diary, coming to you from the Clearwater Cleaning Solutions broadcast studio. They are your one-stop commercial and residential cleanings company based out of Calgary. They have a a fantastic team, great to make your life simpler and easier by fulfilling all of your cleaning needs. Check them out online, clearwatercleaningsolutions.com. Love doing these episodes. Love going back and checking out how they were built for Champions, plus we're going to see... Um, how one of these hockey teams can take a step closer to being featured in one of these episodes in a couple of weeks when we get ready for Game 4 of the Stanley Cup Final tonight. Should be a fun one. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. So, uh, the NBA Finals are done. The Golden State Warriors are champions. This is a podcast that could have been running at any point over the last... Uh, well, at, at many points over the last few years. But once again, we are in, at my, as Mike Green said, in that familiar spot with the Golden State Warriors on top. So, let's get into how they were built. I always like to see... Because one of the things you know I like to talk about on the show is team building. I-, I love to see how the good ones are built. And I've said before, there's more than one way to win in any league. I know a lot of people say, oh, well, you have to follow the Team X model. Whether it's you have to get in Big 3 in basketball. Whether it's three true outcomes in baseball. Or it's, oh, well, you need the Boston model of a Big Bull whatever in... In 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 hockey um, and in football, it's oh well, you can't pay your quarterbacks. You need guys on rookie contracts. That's the only way to win in the National Football League. Oh, that's bullshit. There are so many different ways to win, and so I I always like to go back and see a was there a big trade? Was there a big move that kind of spurred things on? And B like because one of the things I hate is rebuilding teams. Um, I understand the value of it. And it as a way uh, to to build a champion. And look, in Golden State's case, it's not like things were going phenomenally before Steph Curry showed up, right? Like that they, they had the We Believe team. But the reason the We Believe team was so cool is because Golden State was kind of dog shit for a long time, and then they were just kind of good and went on a ridiculous one run with uh, Baron Davis and Monte Ellis for a couple of weeks. Like that—that's—that's that's what made it so fun. Is that it was just so out of fucking nowhere, and off they went. Uh, but A legitimate powerhouse has been born, obviously, in Golden State. This is the the Golden State era. This is a Golden State dynasty. We begin with the the straw that stirs the drink. He is the finals MVP, two-time MVP, four-time NBA champion, Steph Curry. This one, fairly simple. He was drafted seventh overall in 2009. And that's something, we'll we'll get into kind of the, the final conclusion here at the end. But that is something that, um... You'll notice a lot of here that there. there's one big trade that kind of swings things. And if you pay attention to basketball, you know the trade I'm talking about. There's one big trade that gets them back into this thing. But aside from that, it's just drafted, guys. But you look at the, the 2009 draft. That is the Blake Griffin draft. Here are the players that were drafted ahead of Steph Curry. Now, it is fairly obvious at this point, like, Steph Curry is... At worst, a top 15 player in the history of the NBA. Pretty good chance all nine of the guys drafted in front of him aren't aren't ahead of him on that, right? Like, that's that's pretty obvious that he is the best player from this draft class. He is the best player from most draft classes. All but 10 of them, really. So, that's obvious. But... Some of these ones are defensible, some of them aren't. Uh, Blake Griffin goes number one. That was a a stone cold 100% lock. He was a culture changer with the LA Clippers. And the thing about Steph at the time of his draft is that he was unbelievable for Davidson, but really skinny. And really small. And at the time, wasn't a point guard. He was a two-guard with Davidson. He was off the ball doing all of his crazy off-the-ball stuff. And that's, listen to an interview with Steve Kerr uh, yesterday with with Zach Lowe. Talking about how that helped Steph with his, because he is elite away from the ball. That helped him. His dad being that type of player helped him. Um, And so that helped him as well. But it didn't help his draft stock. Because he was a two-guard essentially at the time. A lot of teams were assuming he was going to be that one. Because you look at the other two guards in the league at the time. And it's guys like Dwayne Wade. Good luck defending that, you know? Um, so, yeah. A bit, a bit tricky for him to be a, a two-guard in that league. So you knew he was going to be a point guard coming in, but he hadn't really played that, so there was a lot of talk like, can he play within an offense? Is he just a shooter? Blah, 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 blah. Um... Blake was the obvious one. He was the highlight reel guy. He was all of these types of things. And I I would not suggest that Blake Griffin was a bust. At number two was Haseen Fabiet. That, I would suggest, was a bust. That was one you could see a mile away. He was taller than everyone in college. Big, lanky... I mean, lanky doesn't even describe it. Big doesn't even describe it. He was, like, seven foot three and, like, 85 pounds. Like, he was tall and skinny. And he just happened to be better than everyone in college. But the second he got to the NBA, this is still a time... Shaq's still playing in 2009, right? Yeah, Shaq's still playing. Like... This is that time, you know? So, um, it just, it wasn't, it wasn't a good pick. It was never a good pick. At three was James Harden to Oklahoma City. That one, again, was defensible. Harden was coming off of a bad tournament, but a really good season with Arizona, I believe it was. Um, that, that one you can make some sense of. Tyreek Evans, I think, actually ended up winning Rookie of the Year that year. Um, he was He was good for a bit, and then he really, really wasn't. Ricky Rubio, everyone was in love with Ricky Rubio. So you can explain away most of the draft picks ahead, not the beat and not this next one with the, the sixth pick in the draft. The Minnesota Timberwolves took Johnny Flynn. They had five and six and they took two point guards and neither of them were Steph Curry. That is an all time drafting blunder. And then Steph Curry falls to golden state at, at eight. You just think of how different things play out both for Steph and for the national basketball association. If Steph goes in any of those different locations, it's crazy to think about. Like, if Steph goes to, to the Clippers at that time, we probably don't know about the greatness of Steph Curry. And I'm, I'm not suggesting that he, he wouldn't have still worked hard or whatever, but there's just something about L.A. that needed Blake Griffin um, to, to kind of break them out of that cultural dismay that they had for a while he went to the perfect spot at the perfect time and it worked out a couple of years later clay thompson is drafted 11th overall in 2011 one pick ahead of jimmer Fredette. and clay thompson kind of turned into what people wanted jimmer Fredette to turn into which is kind of hilarious there um the third real key to this whole thing is draymond green he gets drafted uh with the 35th overall pick in 2012 a pick that was traded to Golden State along with Troy Murphy for Dan Gadzuric and Brandon uh, Wright. A lot of times teams will like too often say, "Hey, look, we got three second round picks in this deal. I mean, how could we go wrong?" But this is one where that second round pick probably just felt like, a, "Oh yeah, and it's a second round pick. Yeah, take it. Fine, whatever." And it ends up being a, a franchise cornerstone. And this is the thing: you look at the 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 pillars of this run for Golden State: seventh overall, eleventh overall, thirty fifth overall. Now, Steph Curry turns into one of the greatest players of all time. You need, you need superstars, you need difference makers, you get one at seven there. I'm fairly certain the seventh overall pick in tomorrow's NBA draft isn't going to be Steph Curry. I feel pretty confident in saying that. But, this is how you can build these dynasties, where, like, sometimes you get these, like, I I think Portland has seventh overall in the NBA draft. They're a team that could really use that type of a guy, um... 11th isn't supposed to be a game changer, 35th is barely supposed to play in the league, but when you have quality drafting, you can go on runs like Golden State did. And now the big move. They acquire Andrew Wiggins, along with a 2021 first-round pick that turns into Kaminga, and a 2002 second that turns into Miles McBride that they eventually used in a trade for Kelly Oubre, which I don't necessarily think helped them out a ton. Um, Oubre leaves, maybe they, they benefit from some salary cap, or at least luxury tax. They're, they're never going to have salary cap relief in Golden State. The team spent $400 million on this championship, but they... Um, that they at least get some luxury tax relief that maybe helps with a couple of the free agent signings here. This in exchange for Jacob Evans, D'Angelo Russell, and Omari Spellman. This is where you can kind of go from Kevin Durant to Andrew Wiggins, and this is the brilliance of this turnaround from Golden State. Durant is obviously on his way out. He wants to get as much money as possible. He also does a solid for Golden State. They do a, a sign and trade and instead of just a, oh, yeah, we'll give you Dragic and a Young-whatever, that they get Andrew Wiggins, and they kind of need to to make contracts and everything work. Um, or, sorry, they get the Angela Russell. Um... To, to be able to, to make contracts and everything work. It's clear from the beginning D'Angelo Russell isn't going to be a fit in Golden State, but it keeps the asset of Kevin Durant at least alive a little bit. You're able to flip him for two pieces of a championship team. Kaminga not a huge one, but at least part of something. And then you get Andrew Wiggins, who this team does not win a championship without him. And again, this is… It, I, I hate the term but this is asset management at its finest. This is, okay, we have Kevin Durant, we are not keeping Kevin Durant, can we get anything for him? D'Angelo Russell, not phenomenal for us, but he'll be great for someone, fine. And then going out and betting on the town of a former first overall pick, chef's kiss, it all works out perfectly. That is also kind of trusting in your culture a little bit, too. That is trusting in Steph Curry and Klay Thompson and Draymond Green and the culture that you have established to be able to either, A, yeah, let's give it a shot with D'Angelo Russell. Let's see if it fits. Clay Thompson's hurt. We'll give it a whirl. It doesn't work. We accept it doesn't work. We will move on. Well, D'Angelo Russell wants to go play with Cat. Uh, with sure. Give us Andrew Wiggins back. It's not working there. Cool. Awesome. We think now with the skill set Andrew Wiggins has combined with our will to win and our winning culture that we can turn that around and it worked out for them in spades. Uh, Kaminga is the 7th overall pick in 2021 after that trade as well. The other pieces of the championship puzzle, Jordan Poole, 28th overall in 2019. Uh, Kavon Looney, 30th overall in 2015. That ends the draft portion. So again, you look at where they're drafting because obviously they're very good. Kavon Looney, Solid championship minutes for this team, 30th overall. Jordan Poole, one of the better six men in the league, Um, looks like he is going to be a real guy, 28th overall. I'm not saying every 28th overall pick can be that. I'm not saying every draft is going to have a dude around at that point that is going to turn into something, and I'm not even saying that the Golden State Warriors don't miss. Lord knows they have. For sure they have, right? Um, they might have recently with James Wiseman at number one overall, instead of uh, Lamello, but who's to say? The point is, you don't have to just, like, completely tank to rebuild things. You can build that. You also don't have to go out and, like, okay, well, random old dude. Yeah, let's go. You can find guys in the draft. You have to s- supplement them with older guys, and you excuse me, have to get the right guys, and that's what they were able to do. Otto Porter Jr. signs this offseason. Andre Uguodala, who, by the way, he is, I, I already marked it down, that is a trade tree to look at this summer, because um, he was part of a four-team trade and a three-team trade at different points in his career that were absolutely bonkers. It's the one that uh, sent Dwight Howard off to the Lakers. He was involved in that trade going from Philadelphia to the Denver Nuggets, like just a, a couple of wild trades in in his time. But he signs... Uh, Bialica, who didn't do a lot in the finals, but he was a really good piece for them at different points in the regular season. He signs as a free agent as well. And then uh, Gary Payton Jr., as the season's about to start, he signs October 19th. So what are the lessons we can learn from Golden State? Obviously, the simplistic one is, hey, if you can get a Steph Curry at 7th overall, that really helps. Same with Milwaukee last year. Yeah, if you can get Giannis in the middle of the first round, that's going to help things out a little bit. But you look at those two. Giannis was not a sure thing. That's why he was around in the middle of the draft. And it helps that he grew three inches, for sure it does. But he doesn't turn into the monster that he turns into without that culture there. Same thing with Steph Curry. He is a scrawny little dude out of Davidson who can shoot pretty well. But the first couple of years didn't go well. And it sounded like he could have been in that trade that sent Monte Ellis to Milwaukee for Andrew Bogut. Instead, um, it is Ellis who ends up getting shipped out with broke my heart. I loved Monte Ellis. But uh, he gets moved on to Milwaukee. Bogut comes to Golden State. And uh, a dynasty really forms at that point. But again, it is the the winning culture that is set in Golden State. And it, uh, again, a credit to Steph Curry for turning himself into that guy. Klay Thompson, 11th overall. Draymond Green, 35th overall. Poole, 28th overall. Kevon Looney, 30th overall. The point is, don't tune out of the draft. Um, But those late picks matter. You know, like... That That's how San Antonio was able to get to continue their run, right? Like, it's it's how the Raptors have been able to stay relevant while they were, as much as people would mock them for getting the shit kicked out of them in, in conference finals and stuff, It's how they were still able to stay successful while getting to conference finals. They're able to get Fred Van Vliet, they're able to get OG Ananobis, and they take advantage when the opportunities present themselves with guys like, um, sorry, I said OG, I don't know me before. I meant Pascal Siakam. Um, but with guys like OG and with guys like Scotty Barnes, you, you hit when, for whatever reason, the opportunity presents and you're able to slide in and, like, get those gems late and then get the right veterans around. But also, if you have a guy leaving, recognize that value, that this is a perfect, perfect example of, Just maximizing the value out of everything that you get. Out of a 28th overall pick, out of a 30th overall pick, out of a trade chip for a guy who didn't even want to be there. That is how the NBA champions for the 2022 season were built. How will the 2022 NHL season end? Tonight goes a long way to figure that out as Colorado takes on the Tampa Bay Lightning. A couple of things as we get ready for this game tonight. First, I'm going to be on Game Over Finals after the game is done. Myself, Adi James, the band is back together. Uh, We're going to be breaking it all down a bit happier times than the last time he and I chatted. Um, the main thing from this game, because we can talk about everything. We can talk about, like, oh, Kucherov, Stamkos, this. We can talk about McKinnon, Rantan, and that. If McCarr and Taves are stuck four again, Colorado's not going to win this game. <laughs> Hard-hitting analysis, I know. That's the statistical breakdown that you're looking for here on Couch Potato Diary. But that defensive pairing had their first bad game maybe ever. And it cost them in that game. They need... Makar and Taves to be the shutdown group that they were in the first couple of games in this series and for the first uh, 14, was it, Uh, playoff games that this team played and throughout the regular season. This was one of the better defensive pairings in the National Hockey League this year. They need them to be that again because this is now proven this Tampa Bay team isn't going away. This isn't going to be 7-0 every night. This isn't going to be easy. I'm not suggesting Colorado thought it was going to be, but we now know it's not. That group needs to step up. Also, I said on game over after game one that I was concerned about when Colorado went to Tampa Bay what Tampa Bay was going to do to Eric Johnson. Now, I don't think he was scored on. Although they gave up six. He might have been. But you look at when Tampa Bay was able to get that matchup. Uh, Palat, Stamkos, Kucherov. He faced them more than any forwards um, on, on Tampa Bay. He was out attempted 23-9. Like, they just, they didn't score, but they ate his lunch. They, Colorado either needs Eric Johnson to be better, or they need to figure out a way to have that matchup not happen that many times because he got killed in that matchup in in Game 3. Again, Makar and Taves didn't do a hell of a lot better, but Johnson was the only defenseman on Colorado who had a a negative possession rating for that game, which is insane when you think about how badly they got their asses kicked, but they outshot Tampa Bay like 22-2 in the third period as they were pushing to try to find some form of life in that game. So that boosts everyone's possession numbers up a little bit, with the one exception, of course, of Eric Johnson, who, as we mentioned, got steamrolled by that top line. Many defensemen get steamrolled by that top line, but not in the Stanley Cup Final like that. You need a better answer to Palat, Stomkos, and Kucherov than getting outshot 23 to 9. I think that's fairly obvious. They need the secondary options to step up. We'll see about Kadri. As I'm taping this, don't know what the status of Nazem Kadri is going to be, but they need some of those guys to step up. And I know Comfort was inches away a couple of times. Let's elevate that puck a little bit, can we? Um he he is moments away a couple of times in this series or in, in that game from maybe having this look completely different. But there was nothing from nobody else. You know, like Cogli, excuse me, Cogliano had a couple of moments where maybe he showed up in a chushkin even, like he gets the the um the one-timer that was almost a goal. Uh, and aside from that, he was very, very quiet. Like, there was, aside from the big guys, there was nothing going on from Colorado. And then you look at the other side for Tampa Bay. Sorelli stepping up. Maroon stepping up. Um, I consider Pallotta a secondary guy. He's on the first line. He steps up. You have all of these depth guys stepping up in ways that Colorado's depth was stepping up back in Colorado. They need these guys on the road now to, to improve their games. For Tampa Bay, it's tough to... Pick many nits on on that performance. They were phenomenal. It sounds like Kucherov's going to be fine. Vasilevsky was excellent. They need him to be that again. Um, and... I... It's it's so obvious that this is a must-win. Tampa Bay cannot lose this game. I, I said before on on Game Over and here on Couch Potato Diary that Tampa Bay going down 2-0 in the series was not a death knell. Down 3-1 is. You cannot force yourself to win two more games in Colorado. You just can't. Like, you just, you just don't know how difficult it was to win one. They're going to have to win one. That That is how the series is set up. But they have to, have to, have to hold serve on, on home ice. Because it is going to be extremely difficult for them otherwise. That this is, oh, this is the Stanley Cup final we've been dreaming of. The last couple have been duds. They've been ass kickings. That this is, there is so much riding on this game coming up tonight. I cannot wait. So I'm going to stop talking. Thank you all so much. Uh, remember, rate, review, subscribe wherever possible. Thank you to Clearwater Cleaning Solutions. They are your one stop commercial and residential cleaning company based out of Calgary. They have a fantastic team who are ready to make your life simpler and easier by fulfilling all of your cleaning needs. Check them out online, clearwatercleaningsolutions.com. Find me on social media. I am at primetime. Cl- uh, holy cow, I've been saying this for a year and a half now. you think I'd get this. I am at primetime on Twitter and Instagram, and I will catch y'all later. I'm out.